0: Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our new sermon series entitled Wound Management. What is one thing a church and a hospital have in common? Both are in the business of wound management. Join us now for the message, The Wound of Trauma.
1: Live from Fort Worth, (laughs) it's Sunday morning. Yes. Hello and
0: welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas, though today we are in Fort Worth, Texas. We're here at Wesley's Abode to bring you our worship service today. I'm Jane Grainer, and I'm the senior pastor.
1: And I'm Wesley McCall, and I'm the music director.
0: And hopefully at some point we'll have some of their cats (laughs) join us during our worship service. We want to particularly welcome any of you that are worshiping with us for the first time. You know, when the old wounds sometimes threaten to pull you down under, can your faith help lift you up, or are you going to need a bigger boat? Well, stay tuned, and we're going to have an answer to that question. And now let us enter into a spirit of worship and prayer with this centering psalm.
1: From Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, or the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near to your tent. Those who love me I will deliver, I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble, I will rescue them and honor them, With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. And now for our opening prayer. O gracious and loving God, when evil darkens our world, give us light. When despair numbs our souls, give us hope. When we stumble and fall, lift us up. When doubts assail us, give us faith. When nothing seems sure, give us trust. When ideals fade, give us vision. When we lose our way, be our guide. May we find serenity in your presence and purpose in doing your will. Amen. And even though we cannot be together in the same time,
0: or excuse me, in the same place, we are together in the same time. So my prayer for you is peace be with you.
1: And also with you. Our prayer for illumination this morning. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified, and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, see that it is I myself, touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh, and bones, as you see, that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, every scar
0: tells a story. We don't normally think of the movie Jaws as a funny movie, but it does actually contain several very humorous scenes. And I think the funniest scene is when um, the three main characters, if you recall, that's Brody, who is the new uh, sheriff in the town, Hooper, who is the young oceanographer who specializes in sharks, and Quint, who is the grizzled old shark hunter. And they're spending the night at sea on Quint's boat, and they um, they begin to share their scar stories. This is, of course, after they've been drinking a bit. (laughs) So Brody looks on as Quint shows off his partial denture, as he shows off the knot on his head, as he shows off the slash on his leg from a shark's tail, and Hooper matches him scar for scar, uh, starting with a scar on his arm that came from a a moray eel that bit right through his wetsuit and a place on his leg that was scraped by a bull shark. He then taps a place on his upper chest, and even though there's no visible scar here, he says, Marianne Moffat, she broke my heart. And all three men, they reel in laughter. Well, Brody then asks Quint about the scar that's there on his left arm, and Quint replies that it's a scar left over from having had a tattoo removed, a tattoo from the USS Indianapolis. Well, Hooper uh, just stops laughing right at that moment and asks, Quint, you were on the USS Indianapolis. And Quint replies in the affirmative, and then he starts to tell the horrific story of what happened during the sinking of the USS Indianapolis. The Indianapolis had been the ship that took the Hiroshima bomb to Tinian Island and delivered it. On the way back to port, they were sunk by a Japanese submarine. But this mission was so secret that it was a week before the ship was reported as missing. 1,100 men went into the water. 316 came out of the water. The rest of them picked off one by one by the encircling sharks. Now, I have a scar story but it's not nearly as dramatic as that one, but it does explain why I am left-handed. You see, when I was two years old, my mother let me play with razor blades. <laughs> now, she hated when I told the story that way because it makes it, it it reflects poorly on her and she actually felt very guilty about this later. But when I was two years old, mom was in the bathroom trying to get ready to go to some sort of meeting and on the counter was a razor blade cartridge. Now these were the old kind of safety razors where you had this little cartridge and you pushed down to push out the razor. And I picked it up and mom figured that there's no way I'd be able to figure out how to get a razor out of that cartridge. But mother had forgotten just how clever I am. Oh my goodness. And so, A minute or two later, I come back into the bathroom and I'm holding up my right hand with blood dripping down to my elbow. Well, needless to say, mother did not make the meeting that day, instead she took me to the doctor immediately where I got my right palm stitched from the entire uh, width of my right hand stitch. I remember the stitches were blue. But up to that time, my mother says that I had not shown any preference for either hand, but after that accident, I started using my left hand much more than my right. So, therefore, I am left-handed today because my mother let me play with razor blades.
1: <laughs> and
0: I think you have a scar story as well.
1: Uh, mine also, unfortunately, involves razor blades. <laughs> I wasn't playing with them. It was not, uh, not one of those types of things. And your
0: mother's not to blame. That's
1: true. My mother's not to blame. It's hard to see, but I do have a scar on this, this index yes, finger. Yes, you do. Um, so I think it was the summer between my freshman and sophomore years of college. I was a student at the Sewanee Summer Music Festival. It's like a five week orchestra camp, uh, chamber music camp. I'm a nerd. Um, part of being an oboe player is learning how to make your own reeds and oboe reeds are very, very specific. They're thin. They're about this tall. They have to be shaped a very specific way, and then you have to, you know, carve them, and it, it's just a pain. Anyway, literally a pain. Um, In your case. So they have uh, metal shaper tips, and you fold the pieces of wood over this metal shaper tip, and then you take a razor blade and you get rid of the excess wood. While I was doing this and lost control of whatever blade I was using, and I ended up taking about this much about. Mm, Half to quarter of a centimeter off, completely off the end of this finger. And I looked down and knew immediately that it was bad. (laughs) And I held my hand over a trash can as I attempted not to faint. I was seeing stars. All the other people in the room were like, oh, my gosh, we got it. You know, fortunately, they wrapped it up and kept me from anything worse than it was. But uh, I don't I don't do razor blades. Don't do them. Mm -mm. Nope. That's why he has a beard now. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, every
0: scar tells a story. It's a story of a wound that we've received. And now all of us get wounded in life many, many times, but woundedness is just part of the human condition. But the thing is, so is healing. Healing is also part of the human condition. And when it goes right, it can be a marvel to behold. Now, there are four stages to the healing of a wound. The first of these is hemostasis. This is the body's first line of defense where it sends sticky platelets that they come together to staunch the bleeding there. And that's why we don't bleed out from just a simple wound. And why Wesley and I are still sitting here today is that eventually it got staunched. But working in concert with hemostasis is the second stage of healing, and that's inflammation. And that's where this, it comes into play here. Fluid is leaked into the tissue that's surrounding the, in, uh, the injury resulting in swelling. And the swelling works like kind of like a pressure bandage to also help control the bleeding and to prevent infection from setting in. Well, hemostasis and inflammation, they, they work together during those first few days of the injury in order to stabilize the wound. But some days later, the third stage of tissue formation begins. And here new cells will migrate to the injury, replacing the damaged ones and cells called fibroblasts secrete a sticky protein called fibronectin that form this this healing scaffold uh, for the formation then of the new tissue. And then over the next several months, or sometimes even the next several years, the fourth stage of remodeling completes the healing process. More and more collagen is laid down as the injury continues to heal, and a scar is formed. And sometimes uh, this scar may fade with time, or it may be persistent, a permanent reminder of the wound that you have received. And so from then on, that scar tells a story. The story can be kind of an edge of your seat adventure. It can be a joke about um, uh, you can't, you won't believe what happened to me kind of story or it may be a story that is so traumatic that you choose to never tell anyone about it. This can be, can be particularly true of those scars that we cannot see. Richard Dreyfus made a joke about his broken heart in the movie Jaws, but we all know that broken hearts really aren't particularly funny stories. Emotional wounds can be so painful, in fact, that we often describe them in physical terms, and consider these examples um that woman is scarred um he is raw uh, this organization is a bloody mess the leadership is too inflamed for rational thought our friendship is ruptured our marriage is broken uh, someone needs to stop the bleeding at that church furthermore Emotional wounds can often then manifest itself in physical symptoms, and this is especially true for trauma. Now, I got this uh, from one uh, website. Trauma results from exposure to an incident or series of events that are emotionally disturbing or life-threatening with lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, and or spiritual well-being. Now, like I said, all of us experience trauma to one degree or another, but many of us have had to deal with much more extensive trauma than have others. And the type of experiences that sometimes can lead to this more serious trauma are things like war and terrorism, violence, either witnessing or being the victim of a crime. They can be accidents. They can be natural disasters. It can include rape and sexual assault, physical, sexual or emotional abuse or neglect, sometimes poverty and oppression, and sometimes living with someone who has mental health or substance abuse problems can bring on significant trauma. And even if we've been fortunate enough in our lives not to have experienced one of these events that leads to significant trauma, trauma such as this is so widespread that you undoubtedly know someone who has. Now, I've been one of the fortunate ones. Uh, I've not had a particularly strongly traumatic event that has left me scarred, but I have seen it. I've seen it up close and personal, and I can see how trauma can lead to PTSD or a number of other types of psychiatric disorders. And I know what trauma can do to a person, and by extension, what that trauma then does to everyone around them, particularly those who love them. Now, the severity of some traumatic events can hijack the healing process. Sometimes in the healing of physical wounds, inflammation, for example, can start to run amok. And instead of aiding in the healing, it over-responds and it begins to destroy undamaged tissue. In fact, this is what happens to those who get really sick from COVID-19. In trying to fight the virus, the body begins to attack the lungs instead. Likewise, as a traumatic event is unfolding, psychological responses that initially work to protect the psyche, later on just become counterproductive. For example, the ability to dissociate in the moment, to to in effect remove someone, uh, to remove oneself emotionally from the scene, well, that can help you to survive that event. But later then, those memories can become compartmentalized or even repressed So then the mind then can, uh, further healing, then cannot take place. And there's even a corresponding physical condition called compartment syndrome. If a injury occurs in a hand or an arm or a foot or a leg, the swelling can become so pronounced that it begins to press on the healthy tissue, depriving them of oxygen and causing sometimes that appendage to suffer irreparable damage. And so to prevent damage, a surgeon will carefully cut open the affected tissue then to relieve the pressure. And likewise, sometimes the pressure that that is caused by this over-departmentalization of the memories of trauma, and that can cause severe psychological damage. And so the way that that is healed is often through a psychotherapist that will then gently flay that psychic wound open allowing, uh, preventing further damage and allowing healing then to come with the reintegration of the mind. So then how can our Christian faith then assist us in healing the scars of trauma? In what way do the wounds of Christ bring healing? And we talked about this last week. We talked about how the prophet Isaiah refers to the wounds of Christ as by saying that by his wounds we are healed. In fact, if you think about it, our entire religion of Christianity revolves itself around one of the most horrific scenes of trauma that was ever recorded in history. We usually don't think of crucifixion in terms of psychological trauma, but psychological trauma was certainly part of the reason that the Romans used this particular form of execution. And I can really hardly think of a more traumatic event to happen to a person, either physically or psychologically, than to be flogged and crucified. The emotional trauma was part of the punishment of crucifixion. Furthermore, watching a flogging or a crucifixion could be traumatizing to those who witnessed these events. It would then serve as a deterrent. And again, this was by design from those who practice crucifixion. So for those who experienced either the physical or the emotional trauma, as we talked about last week, we do know then that we have a savior that, can, that intimately knows what it's like to be traumatized, knows firsthand what it's like to go through being traumatized both emotionally and physically. And as we brought, as we talked about last week, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that in Jesus Christ, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are are yet without sin. I don't know if you've ever thought this, but at one point I thought about how odd it was that even after the resurrection, Jesus still carried the marks and the scars there on his body. You think about the fact if his resurrected body was a new creation, wouldn't new flesh have grown over those scars, new flesh that was all bright and shiny and new? Yet as, as Wesley read earlier, Jesus said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself touch me and see for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have so Jesus's scars were right there for everyone to see and he even invited his disciples to touch his wounds to trace the outlines of his scars in his flesh so that they know so they would know that it was truly him so imagine Imagine Jesus tracing the outlines of your wounds, and this imagery may not provide us with a reason why we had to suffer through that trauma or why it happened, but it does let us know that in Jesus we find a Savior who can completely uh, and totally be in solidarity with us in our suffering and in our trauma. And to me, this seems to imply that also, whatever the nature of whatever spiritual body we may inhabit one day in the next life, it may carry the scars that we have accumulated in this life. Only then there'll be badges of honor. Over the centuries, it's been reported that some contemplatives would develop wounds on their own hands and feet uh, as they considered and contemplated the sufferings of Christ. And these wounds are called stigmata. And stigmata is really the plural form of the word stigma. And so the wounds that stigmatize the shame of crucifixion then could become blessings for those uh, who had stigmata in the flesh. And I think likewise, openly dealing with the shame of our own wounds will eventually bring blessing. It reminds me of the old hymn, we'll understand it better by and by. And you may remember how the chorus goes. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story of how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. So perhaps as we tell the story of how we have overcome, then we can use our own scars to illustrate the story. And maybe those will be the ultimate scar stories. Julian of Norwich, the 14th century mystic and also the first woman ever to write a book in the English language, she is credited with saying this, our wounds become our wounds. Our wounds become our wounds. Every time we are wounded, we become pregnant with new possibilities for life. And really, if you think about it, the more injuries we sustain, then the more opportunities we have to grow, to grow something new inside us. And we can then become the story of our own enunciation. Now, there can be a real temptation to hide our scars and wounds, to wrap them up in bandages so no one can see the extent of our wounding. Because those wounds, they can make us feel very weak and very vulnerable. But Rumi... That was the great 13th century Persian poet. He said, don't turn away. Keep your gaze on the bandaged place. That's where the light enters you. So the light of Jesus Christ, let that shine upon your wounds. And then so your wounds can then become a blessing for others. Amen. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom come, come, thy thy will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.
1: And lead us not into temptation, temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: During this week, be praying for our church but also be thinking about your own scar stories and about how your faith has held you up and kept you from the sharks. And so now receive this benediction. Go forth knowing that you are held in the scarred hands of Jesus Christ and then become the hands that hold up others. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love your neighbor and go in peace. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us next Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next week we will conclude our sermon series, Wound Management. If you can't join us live, you can always listen to the recording of our service. You'll find that on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.